0: I'll be getting my text about now, but uh, I want you all to know that Christian, and I, Cade and Kylie, we, we thoroughly enjoy uh, coming to Liberty, and uh, you just have been a blessing to me and, and our family, and uh, when I found out that when she said that the pastor is Steve Tucker, when she said Tucker, that, that rung a bell, I said, well, I'm probably kin to him. And turns out we we're actually kin on both sides. My mother, my father, you know, down here in South Georgia. If you go way back far enough, uh, when you got too far removed from your family, you married back into the family, and so we kept it. Uh, we kept it real close. But I want to preach to uh, preach today, and encourage you and. Just worship God with you over something that I think we take for granted. That is the most valuable, most important, most essential, fundamental, necessary thing in your life. It's all that matters to God. Everything about your life should be connected. It ought to grow and develop out of what I'm going to be talking about today. It's the very thing, it's the only thing that pleases God. You know, I love the Lord. I've been saved since I was nine years old. I'm going to have to stay behind the pulpit, because this is what's working, which is good with me. So I'm going to trust the sound guy to keep me up. I'm a a mild-spoken, at least voice-wise, and I'm a very bashful person, but I actually started preaching when I was 10 years old, and I cannot get over bashfulness. I've sung gospel music with the family, I've preached, I've pastored for over 30 years, and I'm telling you, I haven't been in a pulpit in a few Sundays, and I'm, I'm shaking in my boots. But that's okay, that's the way Paul preached. You know, we tend to think of boldness and courage in the Lord as something as, as different than that, but actually Paul was a shy person. He actually went preaching shaking and trembling. So overlook that if, if I appear to be that way today, it's just my nature. The Bible says when we're weak, the power of God rests upon us. And I've already said to the Lord, I said, Lord, (laughs) I'm weak today, so you you just take over. But I've been saved since I was nine, and I've read that little Gideon New Testament in the fifth grade. And I've studied the scriptures. And I'm telling you, I'm learning more today than I've ever learned in my life because that's the nature of our faith. who you are is god's gift to you and what you do with yourself is your gift to god your faith the faith that god has in birth in you that is growing in you is exactly it's as important as what god was doing in those men of faith that we're studying about in Sunday school and it's even more because Jesus said that blessed are you who have not seen and yet you believe. In my studies of Christianity, I've admired Orthodox Christianity and not to be confused with Orthodox Judaism. It's the oldest form of the Christian faith. And if you went into an Orthodox church today, you think you was an absolute alien. Loving The extremities of Protestantism that came out of Catholicism like Amish and Mennonites. I love it all. But as a South Georgia country boy, I'm telling you the work that God is doing in me and is in doing in you is all that God is concerned with in your life. And what he's doing in you is what he was doing in the apostles. You realize how much it took for the apostles to believe? Take Peter, for example. He's going to be where I'm preaching from today, 1 Peter chapter 1. I was reading through the Gospels, and I plan to continue to do that, and I encourage you to do that. The smallest portion of the Scriptures Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's all we have about the life of Jesus. It's all about Him. That's what our faith is about, is Jesus. You realize these apostles, they loved God. And therefore, God called them. And they followed Jesus, God's Son. And He poured into their lives for for three years, at least, roughly. He performed miracles. They followed him. Everything he taught, they heard him teach. Their ears heard directly from the mouth of Jesus what you and I are gathered here today and reading about and studying about and attempting to live out in our daily life. He showed them over and over and over and over again in order that they would believe They're the smartest Christians ever lived. They're the only ones that walked the earth and was taught by Jesus himself. You're talking about a seminary. You're talking about an education. But I'm telling you, the faith that God has imparted to you is more precious than anything else in this world, and it is under attack. Number one, it's under attack. It always has been. It ought not to be new. But I'm telling you, not the Christian faith as a whole, simply, not the christian faith as a whole all over the world but the faith that god has inbirthed in you is always under attack from satan and the world understand me it's happening every day in your life against your faith you you're the one going to stand before God. Not this church as a whole, not the Baptist as a whole, not Christianity as a whole, but you are going to stand before God alone. And your only advocate, your only mediator, is the one who began, it's going to complete the work of faith in you. But there's another aspect of the challenge to our faith, and that is the constant refining, purification, the constant ongoing completion or perfecting of your faith by God himself. The one who birthed that faith in you Is and is going to try your faith. He is going to test your faith because He's going to prove your faith. You understand that? So it's not the external pressure, it's not the internal conflict between the flesh and the spirit. It's not only that that's going on in our lives. It is God at work to purge and to cleanse and to perfect what he started out doing and he is going to finish it. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Again, we're not talking about simply collectively. We're talking about the faith that is in you individually. Can you just imagine as God worked individually, hands-on, in person with each apostle to shape their faith and to draw out of them the faith that is pleasing to God? For without faith, it is impossible to please God. That he is drawing out of you You are who you are, and that is God's gift to you. And what you do with yourself is what God is doing in you. He's helping you, and he's making that to happen. He planted it, and he's growing it. And, folks, that's what we need to be concerned with today. That's what we need to be giving God praise, honor, and glory about today. And that's going to be in the passage in 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. You've been called, you've been chosen, and we know that because you have the faith. Anybody here have the faith? We all have the faith, but each one individually. That's what you go to bed with on Sunday night and you wake up with Monday morning and you live out the rest of your week. That's what you follow God with. That's what you're living to please God with, your individual faith. God has chosen you. God has elected you. And the Bible says that in doing so, it is according to his foreknowledge. And what that means is literally prognosis prognosis. Now, where do we hear that from? We hear that word often when we go to the doctor. What's the prognosis? I'm telling you today the prognosis from God out of his forecast and foreknowledge is what is described in the verses to follow. God had a foreknowledge. God has forecasted. God has predetermined that you are who you are, and that in Jesus Christ you are saved, that you have the faith, and you're going to be perfected in the faith. And God is making that happen in your life. So take courage. Do not fear, but rejoice. I got this sermon because I've been reading, as I told you, through the Gospels. And one thing stood out to me, and one of the great miracles in the Gospels, in particular, Mark. In the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus walks on the water, he completely leaves out the miracle of Peter walking on the water. And Most of the time, in fact, when we talk about Jesus walking on the water, we focus about on Peter walking on the water. Mark is actually a disciple of Peter. Mark is trained by Peter. And yet when Mark talks about Jesus walking on the water, he never mentioned Peter walking on the water. Peter never mentions himself walking on the water. I'm not saying it's not important. There's indeed a message in that, but that's not the message they were to gain, that they could walk on water if they believed strongly enough. In fact, it's never mentioned again. In all the years and all their experience of living and and working and, and being on the Sea of Galilee, nobody walks on the water who follows Jesus again, as far as we know, Right? But you know what Mark did say? He said they struggled when Jesus compelled them and made them to get into the boat after feeding of over 5,000 people. When he compelled them, he made them get into the boat, send them over to the other side. He went away to pray into the mountain. And while he was praying, he noticed they were struggling. The winds were contrary, and they were struggling. In fact, they stayed out there all night long, and the Sea of Galilee is not that big, actually. It is large, but it's not that large. It's basically a lake. You can see all the way to the other side. But they were in the midst of the Sea of Galilee in the fourth watch of the night, which is between 3 and 6 o'clock a.m. So all night long, Jesus is praying and the apostles are struggling at the oars to get to the other side in obedience to what Jesus has compelled them and forced them, commanded them to do. I think it's a beautiful illustration of our lives. As the world opposes our faith, as we are assaulted and as we are persecuted, as we are tried by the world, as Jesus so promised that we would do, we would experience that, we would have that. And if we're not Maybe if we're not living for God, but if we're living for God, you're going to have that. But also the inner testing and trials that come from God and are allowed from God himself. It's a struggle, and God means for it to be so. You think if you're struggling in your faith that you're doing something wrong? You think if you suffer that something isn't going right in your life and you lack faith? My friend, that is God Himself perfecting the amazing, wonderful, imperishable, incorruptible, eternal gift of God imparted to you, which is your faith. If you've got faith, it is God Himself as we do not worry and fear about what's happening in, from the world. Be, in this world you're going to have trouble but be of good cheer i've overcome for you it's not about how the world oppresses it's not about how the world attacks us it's about what god is doing to refine us that is marvelous folks it's ch- it changes it turns like all the other paradoxes in the in the scriptures it turns suffering it turns sin it turns death it turns this struggle in life upside down to the glory of God. As I get older, I need to be doing this. I need to be saving more. I need to get ready closer to retirement. I need to be spending more quality time with my wife and my kids and my grandkids. I need to be doing this and I need to be doing that. But above everything else, no matter who you are as a child of God, You ought to wake up each day and cherish the faith that is in you. And you ought to work with God on what he's doing to perfect it. That is is his treasure to you. And I'm going to continue in that, and we're going to go further. First of all, he says that according to his prognosis, so good news, suffer, struggle, economics, Your health, your family, your job, out of everything in your life, let me give you the most most wonderful, best prognosis you'll ever get in your life, and it is from God himself. This is his prognosis according to the Greek in the New Testament. That by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, this faith has come to you. Sanctifying, what does that mean? It means being made holy. It's a process of becoming holy. You need to be holy. I know we're made holy by the righteousness of Jesus. But we're to live holy. We're to behave like we're holy. Why? Because our God is holy. And God is at work in you, separating you. That's what holiness means. You need to be about working with God to be identified as something God has consecrated, that He has set apart from this world for His own glory. Don't shy away from holiness. Don't reject the idea of holiness. Any form of faith from God, any form of Christianity is going to be the work of holiness imparted into you and being worked out in and through you from God himself. He is holy and it will never, ever, ever change. Modern Christianity, old-fashioned Christianity, irrelevant to God. For God is sanctifying you. You're that special. Your faith is that precious. It separates you from the world. It separates you not just from the world, but unto God himself. Do you understand how wonderful that is? You're talking about a belonging. You're talking about a purpose. You talk about a meaning in this life that you've been born with in Jesus Christ after being saved. That you have a God-given purpose to be holy. And God is the one that's made you that way. Not some form of religion. Not those folks you hang around. Not because you're a rural South Georgia, Tiff County believer. But brothers and sisters, because you are a child of God. You are made Holy. Steve was preaching last week about, you know, we, we took for granted the, uh, the casual Christianity where you didn't believe, but yet you live like a Christian, and how we miss those days. Well, you know, it's sort of like the wheat and the tare parable, where as the world gets worse as Jesus promised, there's going to be a clear distinction between the tare and the wheat. And people aren't going to care if they are tares, and, but the wheat is going to care. And we're going to make every effort. We're going to work with God in every way we can. To distinguish ourselves, consecrated by God, unto God for His purpose as His children. We're gonna make every effort we can to prove in our lives, in our life, and throughout our daily lives that we belong to God, that we are made holy by God. It's the working of God in us, it's not of ourselves, it's the working of God by grace through faith. Salvation. Is holy. Amen. My friend, if your faith is more precious than blood, and we're going to read that eventually, my friend, it's because the blood of Jesus Christ is more precious than gold. You were bought with something far more precious. The blood of Jesus Christ has made you holy. So be holy. And don't be ashamed of it. I'm talking about before God. Give God praise. Amen. Unto what? He said, we are sanctified by the work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ. Obedience. And I want to really look at this very carefully here. Obedience. Obedience. There's a, there's a negative Nuance that goes with the word or the idea of obedience today, that would be expected in a rebellious generation. That would be expected in, with the nature of rebellion, which comes out of Satan himself, the, the, the nature of lawlessness, the nature of rebellion, antichrist. It all makes perfect sense. It would make perfect sense that the very act or idea of obedience would be shunned today. Obedience is seen as oppression control, a yielding to something, a form of enslavement, and that indeed is what it is for us Christians. Amen? But obedience, I want you to listen to this very carefully, listen very carefully, because obedience in its original form, language, is a word called "hipa akuo You know what hippo means? Beneath, under, akuo means to hear. You know the word obedience literally means to be beneath what is heard. You know the Shema, the great profession of faith by the Old Testament Jewish people? You remember where it says, hear, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You remember that? Did you know in Judaism, and I'm talking about true Judaism in the Old Testament, that is the most important essential statement in their faith. And those who practice Judaism to this very day pray that prayer from those scriptures every single day. To be an Old Testament Jew meant to be. Hear, O Israel, the people who heard God. For without hearing, there is no faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hearing, listening. You know, when I want the kids to mind, or I want them to do something, when I say mind, there again, minding and obedience has a negative connotation today. But you know what we usually say? when we want to make sure that somebody understands and they're going to do what we've asked them to do or instructed them to do, we say something like, do you hear me? Do you hear me? Invited somebody to fill the pulpit once where I was pastoring. First church I ever pastored, I had this guy to stand up and give his testimony. I didn't know he was going to browbeat the church. He had a lot of problems with his people in the church and he used it to do that. But he'd said, are you listening? He wanted somebody out there to listen. What I'm saying is God always is asking, commanding us to listen. Everything in nature has to listen. You don't survive in the the natural outdoors if you're not listening. I mean, you're listening to the weather, you're listening to the wind. I mean, they're listening to everything that we can't even hear audibly. They're listening to every with every sense that God gave them to, to live the way God's called all the little creatures to live, right? Well, folks, essential, very important, imperative, definitive... Life saving matter of life and death stipulation when it comes to living by faith is to hear God. And this is probably where we miss and we neglect the most essential, important thing from God faith. Is wake up and we go to bed without listening and we're listening to all kinds of things we're listening to other people we're listening to the influence and the trends and the things in the world that are pulling us instead of listening to God let me tell you how important listening is Jesus gave the parable of the sower and the seed you remember that parable And he said some of the seeds fell on the wayside. And he explained that the seed that fell on the wayside were were the seeds, were the word of God that fell. It was very quickly heard. But Satan came and snatched that word of God out of the heart of the hearer because they had no understanding. I can tell this church loves God's word. What a wonderful thing that is because that means you have and will have faith. But you know how important it is to have understanding? To sit in church to live out every day of your life. Too much emphasis is put on church. Sometimes it is about your daily life and the every waking moment God has given you when he's given you in your life the word of God. He's given you the benefit of prayer. He's given to us all that is necessary where his grace is sufficient even more so than in the lives of the apostles where God proved himself to them over and over again with mighty works. You've not seen, but you believe because it is the miraculous working of God in your heart and in your life through the precious Word of God. Folks, you, you know how wonderful and important that is to God. And Sometimes, my friend, to live any day of your life, any waking moment, to treat God's Word as if it's okay to not seek and pursue understanding. Is a grave sin. For everything God says. Everything God has spoken. Every way God moves. And influences us in our lives. To harden our hearts. To fail to listen. Will cause us to misunderstand. Or not understand or hear at all. And it is a great. This neglect. That could possibly occur. In our Christian life. It is allowing Satan himself to snatch away, literally, the seed of God's Word that's been sown into your heart. Don't ever, don't ever daydream. Boy, I struggle with that. I struggle with forgetfulness. I hope, I always hope, Lord, people don't get offended because I forget the name or I forget something they've told me. You know, I tell myself things all the time and I forget it. I'm always forgetting the things I tell myself. So don't be offended if I forget what you tell me. But folks, I have to be, we have to be listening to God. And I need to move right on here very quickly. The other one was, he said, he said the seed fell on stony ground. And, and, and when the pressures of life came, when the trials and the persecutions and the tribulations, all that outside pressure came, what happened? He said there was no root so all those pressures in life caused it to wither. And sometimes this stuff goes on in our life, even as Christians. And then there's another time. He said that, and there were those that were sown amongst the thorns. I mean, you know, they got to wanting more. They wanted more materialism. Their focus in life became the goals in life that's in common with everyone else in the world. And he said it choked out the word of God that is in them. Do you understand what I'm saying? To be a hearer of the word of God is literally means to be obedient. Obedience is to put yourself, submit yourself beneath the hearing of God's word. It means to both will and to do. When, God, when you're hearing God, God is instilling in your heart both the will, power, and the to-do of His will. Don't waste the time. Don't waste the word. No matter what's going on in your life, listen to God. For God's sake, listen. And then He says this, And be sprinkled with his blood. Folks, this this incorporates all the pains, the sufferings, the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his stripes you were healed. You're saved through Jesus. All this has been brought to you. All this has been imparted to you. In birth within you. He says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heavens for you who are protected by the power of God through faith, for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, in this you greatly rejoice even now, though now for a little while. If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Wonderful Sunday school series going on in the men's Sunday school class. And you hear a lot about this lately. In fact, it's about the importance of suffering. There's a religion out there. There's a Christian element out there that, act, that pretends and acts as if and teaches and preaches that if you believe God's strong enough that you're going, to be, you're, going to be a, you're going to eliminate all the suffering in your life. If you have faith, you're not going to suffer and you're going to have everything you ask and you name and you claim from God. There's nothing more opposite of that in the Scripture. In fact, you're going, to, you're going as God's Word is promised. You're going to be tested you're going to suffer. The miracle of God in your life is that God's going to use all of that to perfect your faith. My point, my point, in, in, in bringing out the walking of Jesus on water was this: while He saw them rowing, and 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 I'm I'm talking about they were laboring, is what the Scripture literally says. They were laboring in turmoil, trying to get across that lake, and Jesus walked down on the water, and and you got to catch this in Mark. He wished to pass them by. Some translations translate that he would have passed them by. They all mean the same. It means this. He desired to pass them by. He wanted them to see him, but he had no original plans. Of course, God has all the foreknowledge, right? But he did not intend to stop. He didn't intend for the interlude of Peter walking out, stepping out of the boat and walking to him. You know what Jesus intended all of Force them into the boat. When Jesus called you into your faith. When he birthed that faith. The faith of God in you. Obedience. To submit yourself to the hearing of God. No matter what you are up against. Be faithful. You know how you express your faith? Faithfulness. He wished to pass them by. My friend, they were safe in the boat because God put them in the boat. Delayed, hard work, indeed, but they were going to make it. They're going to succeed. You're going to make it. You're going to survive. You're going to do more than survive. As the Scripture goes on to say, so that the proof of your faith Verse 7. This means the proven genuineness of your faith. And here's where my closing points are. <laughs> closing message, part of the message. So that the genuineness or proven genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you, what is the most important thing in your life? What's the most valuable thing in your life? I'm reminding you of that today. I'm encouraging you in that. Your faith. Little child. Elder. Mamas, daddies, your faith is more precious than gold to God. And it is imperishable. It's going to go with you. You're going to take it with you. And not only are you going to take it with you in the future, it is, it is exactly that treasure that God has instilled in you and is working and developing in you like precious, more precious than gold. And listen, how, how is that so? How is it demonstrated? It said, even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise. Let me tell you something. Praise is not a style Of Christian music. Praise is not simply how you hold your hands in a worship service. And I am not saying that at all critically. I am saying that when it comes to the misleading and misguidance of God's dear children when we think that praise to God is somehow that. For no matter how we worship in style, it will change. But the faith that is imperishable, the faith that is everlasting instilled in you by God, more precious than gold, that is the praise that God is drawing out of you in your daily walk and relationship with God. You know what praise? Praise literally means this. Listen carefully. Because we don't want to misunderstand God and his purpose. Who we are is what God gave us. How we live our lives is our gift to him, right? Let me tell you what praise is. It is an appropriate, proper recognition and acknowledgement of God. When you obey God, you are praising God. When you obey God, you are living by faith and that pleases God. You're living by faith is your song. Your sacrifice you make each day are your hands lifted up to heaven. They are your bended knees bowed down before God. When you obey God, you praise God. Amen. Are you properly, appropriately recognizing God in your life today? Next. What is, what is next? He said, to the praise, it result in glory. What is glory? Glory. We use that word all the time, glory be to God, glory be to God, glory be to God. What is glory be to God? What is praise to God? Appropriate recognition acknowledgement. What is glory be to God? It is the appropriate, proper manifestation of God. In other words, it's godliness. It's the evidence of God in your life. Next of all, we're getting right here at the end. Honor. To the praise, glory, and Honor. What, it, what is honor? What is honor? It's the appropriate, proven, proper worth of God in your life. You want, you want to show how much you think God's worth? Look at your faith. Look at your obedience. If your marriage is important, you're going to do what? You're going to do all. You're going to prove your love. If, you're gonna, if your children are important, you're going to prove your love. They're gonna be, their worth to you is going to be proven. If you belong to God and you love God and you have faith in God, your proper, appropriate proving of your faith is going to be in your demonstration, your show of God's worth in your life. And so now we come to close with this even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here it is. Ready? And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him. That sounds like you. Which is... an. The final lesson of Jesus walking on the water. Jesus got in the boat with them, and it says their hearts were hardened because they did not understand the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. To do anything less than this is to harden our hearts against God. Oh man, listen. I thought about you, I thought about preaching this message. You've not seen him, but you love him. Amen. (laughs) You've not seen him, but you believe. And that's the final verse. And greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith. Ready? What's the whole outcome of all this? The salvation of your souls. Praise be to God. I, I guess uh, Steve is going to come and lead in a song of invitation. And pianist. And I just ask you to reflect on what God's word has said to you today, from with it deep in your heart, from the faith God's put in you, and be obedient.